You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians, brought to you today by Locker Room. Uh, I am going to be using Locker Room app this Thursday at 10, 15 Central, 11 p.m., uh, Eastern time. And we're just going to talk Indians roster, anything people want, download the app, check it out for yourself. Locker room only right now on iOS. We have a very special guest. I want to thank Eric Heisman who came in last second. And I literally mean last second, uh, I was all set and I had a guest and we actually got 15 minutes into the podcast and their computer decided they hated us both. And <laughs> I just put it in the group chat and Eric was very nice to hop on and join us for the Astros. I know as we in the previews, people really enjoy hearing what other fan bases think of the Indians' chances this year. We'll have some Michael Brantley appreciation time for sure, as I know both fan bases have a love for that player. And, you know, I maybe we just start there. Michael Brantley, how excited were you when he re-signed? Well, uh, we were all uh, in shock at the time because on that day, George Springer had just signed with the Blue Jays. And then we heard all this talk about, well, they're best friends. And uh, uh, Michael Bradley was going to sign with his best friend and, up in Toronto. And then all the rumors were saying that he was up there. And we're like, really? We're going to lose Springer and Michael Bradley in the same day? Come on. Seriously. That's like two-thirds of our outfielder. And so uh, it was pretty tough that day, but then all the reports said, okay, wait, then Mark Berman, a Houston guy said, uh, hold the horses. Um, uh, Michael Brantley was coming back to Houston on a two-year deal. And that's something that makes a lot of sense because the Astros needed to keep his bat. I know as Indians fans know, he may not be that big home run guy, but he gets that big homer when you need it. He's a big consistent bat. He gets those RBIs and he, he's um he's got one of the smoothest swings that I've seen in a long time from the left side. And he can get those big hits when you need them. And he's that veteran guy. And I know you look at the Astros, you're like, well, the, they've been to so many World Series in X amount of years. But he is that guy the Astros need, especially after all the controversy they've been uh, in over the past few years. They needed that his uh, veteran leadership in the lineup and definitely in the, the uh, outfield because Kyle Tucker is still kind of young. And Miles Straw, he's – unproven at this point. So you needed that veteran guy in the outfield. And I know his defense is kind of um, shaky at times. And I know a lot of people are a little concerned about his knees, but he's looked good so far this spring. And I'm glad that the Astros brought him back and they brought him back on the same deal he signed with in the first place. So I'm, I'm happy with that and looking forward to seeing him play again for the next few years. Yeah, and Indians fans for a long time were very down on various trades and the, the Indians have to make trades. And it's always like, well, CC Sabathia gave us Michael Brantley. You know, appreciative of that. Uh, it's I think the big shame with his time in Cleveland is that the last year was great, but the two previous years before that were in 2016 and 2017 were injury plagued. And I mean, since he's left Cleveland, he's been perfectly healthy and he is getting up there in age, but the production... On a two-year deal at that amount, I mean, is there really any concern? Like, I understand that, you know, just looking at the Astros, they don't – the DH position is is kind of held down. Uh, By Alvarez, but, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, uh, putting him at first, I you know, I don't know what the likelihood of that would ever be if Yuli could play anywhere else. But I, at 
just like he's a left fielder. He can do well enough there to survive two more years. I think that he'll be fine for two years. I think that uh, there's not, uh, I think the Astros really don't have any pressing need. I know Pedro Leon, he's to be up next year. Uh, but and then Kyle Tucker is going to be there for foreseeable future. But there's not really anybody pushing for it at that time. So I think that Michael Brantley is going to be there as kind of the veteran guy to kind of uh, put them under his uh, what's that? Put him under the wing and just kind of um, guide kind of young guys. And then maybe he resigns for another year after that. Maybe he goes back to Cleveland. Who knows what happens after that? Maybe Cleveland's a winner at that point again, uh, something. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly interesting with him. You mentioned Miles Straw and any Indians fan who's been listening to this podcast knows I've been minorly obsessed with him for about three to four years. I know he's not proven yet, but just as he's an analytical darling for a reason. Uh, I guess my, I've always been curious, like, is Houston, how ready are they are to consider this? Is he not someone, you know, is he someone that gets fans excited or is he someone who's viewed as just a placeholder type? I think a lot of people are excited about him, but at the same time, he hasn't really shown too much. Uh, He has 40 to 50 stolen base material, but the question is, can he get on base enough to really prove that he can be in the lineup every day? And so if he can do that, yes, he is an everyday experience, an everyday guy. He's not going to be a uh, five to six home run type of guy. He's going to give you like two to three homers a year. He's going to give you maybe some doubles and triples here and there, but he's not going to be a big slugging percentage guy. But if he can approve, if he can bat like 250 and steal like 50 to 60 bases, uh, that's something uh, that you can look forward to. But I, I don't know. Um, I think he's a placeholder, but if he proves to be somebody like a D Gordon or somebody like, I can't think of anybody who's kind of fast and who doesn't hit for a lot of power. Maybe he can uh, kind of become a stable piece in this outfield for a little bit, but we'll have to see. Uh, With his like walk rate and speed, the, the high-end name that came to me, and you can totally <laughs> throw this one out, was Sean Figgins from back in the day, just with the the speed and walk rates. Um, I don't know if that'll come together like that, but that was the name that kind of popped into my head because I've always enjoyed the fact that he's like walking like 12% in the minors or 10%. It's, that's the part, the second part of it that has made him one of those guys that I, I always like to peek in and watch as an outside observer. Well, Straw doesn't walk. <laughs> he is a very aggressive hitter, so he in, is gonna. In the minors, his walk percentage was always high, so that's what what got me there. Maybe I'm looking at the wrong data. Yeah, he was walking like ten or twelve percent in the minors. So oh, yeah, it's, okay. yeah, it's in. It's interesting that like yeah, last year four point four point seven percent, but his minor league career when I was looking at it was like his worst year in the minors was nine point four percent. So. It's a it's a dramatic shift. It's an interesting change uh, for him, and that's I guess it's that's where it's fun to talk with you uh, because you know I had totally missed what happened last year, which is such a change for him. Uh, as we continue to talk just about the Astros and the Indians with these two teams, uh, there's I think a level of um, commonality where. I think in both cases, people are kind of leaving both squads for dead a little too soon, that there's kind of a feeling that Houston is, you know, not necessarily the the top of 
the West and that the Indians really don't have a playoff shot in the Central. Uh, do you, are you feeling that there? Are you seeing more of kind of that outside negativity? Is that something that pops up on your radar that all of a sudden the Astros are kind of viewed as the the second second place team in that division or in some place? I mean, I saw someone pick the Angels to win the division somewhere, right? Like that they're getting a little bit, a little bit disrespected, right? Well, um, I think there's more of even playing field in American League this year. Even the Yankees, they're not going to be the dominating team they're used to being. They're, they don't really have the pitching outside of Garrett Cole. Uh, so I think that they're the, there's more of a level playing field. Uh, the Central, there are, there are a few good teams, but I don't know if you're going to have – I don't think there could be a whole bunch of 100-win teams. And so the Twins – Interesting team. The White Sox, they remind me of the 2015 Astros, maybe 2017 Astros, if they put everything together. Uh, the Indians, that they traded so a lot of talent away. And so do they still have enough to really the, to kind of come back? Um, the Astros, they still have the talent to win. And if you look at the AL West, there's not much there. I mean, if you look at the athletics, yes, they still have the talent to win. And then you have the Astros, they have the talent to win. But the rest of it, they're they're not really there. The Angels, yes, they have a whole bunch of what-ifs, but can Otani really be this two-way player uh, all year round, pitching every sixth day, batting leadoff? And uh, Rendon, it, he's good, but what about the rest of the Angels pitching? Can they really – do they have enough hitting? So uh, the Rangers are not near c- competition. And the Mariners, they have some exciting hitting, but do they have enough pitching? So there's a lot of question marks in the AL. I would say that the Indians have a harder time of breaking through the Central than the Astros would in the West. And we'll continue this whole discussion in a second here. But first, let's take a quick break and talk about some fantastic sponsors for our show today. Uh, again, longtime listeners know I am – not uh, car savvy in the slightest, but I still find the Rock Auto site easy to navigate to find a parts or piece for your car. The, they are family-owned business. They cut down on overhead, pass that savings onto you, the consumer. And remember that when you go to RockAuto.com, use the in the little box of how did you hear about us. Type locked on. Type locked on MLB. Type locked on Indians. Locked on Astros. Whatever you do, make sure it's some form of locked on so they know their advertising dollars are well spent. And as I always say, it's a great tool for you. When I go to get my car fixed, I don't know what anything costs. I don't know if I'm getting a good deal. Always keep Rock Auto in your back pocket. Use it as a way to make sure that when you go to the mechanic, that you are getting a deal on your car. Because we have all heard those mechanic horror stories. Rock Auto is going to prevent that from happening to you. So go check that out for yourself. In addition, go check out Locked On Today. All the breaking news you could need in one podcast. Locked On Today with host Peter Bukowski. So diving back into kind of our discussion, the thing I, you know, the Indians made that Lindor trade, but what I, I, I brought up before on this very podcast, and I think is interesting is the effective or, you know, don't get me wrong, Hall of Famer, but last year between Lindor and Jimenez, Jimenez actually had the higher runs created plus that for all of the Indians losses, like Clevenger hadn't pitched a full season in a year. One could make a case, and you know, Kluber before that had missed almost an entire year. One could make the case that, in spite of all of those crazy amounts of trades, that uh, Carlos Carrasco is the piece that has actually been the most steady player for them over these past few years. 
And that's where I, I don't deny uh, your point. I think, yeah, the Astros have an easier road because it's a very top-heavy division there. And uh, I'm not sold on the Angels. I want to be as a Mike Trout fan. I, but you have those two, and the Indians definitely have two other teams ahead of them. But I wonder with the uh, the situation with the Twins and the uh, Indians being kind of the polar opposite, it's kind of interesting to look at one team that's all bats and the other that's all arms and see what is going to arise or go through there. Overall, I guess, you know, discussing those things in the passing there, what are your picks? Who do you think is going to come out? Who are the two wild cards? Who's going to take each division in this American League in your mind? Well, I think, um, yeah, I think the Yankees are probably going to win the East. Um, I think the Blue Jays are probably going to get one of the wild cards. I mean, how many wild card teams are there going to be? Two? I think it's just two this year. Yeah. So it's, um, I think the, the Blue Jays are going to be pretty good. So I think the uh, Blue Jays are probably going to be one of the teams. That's if they have enough pitching and if they hit good enough. Um, I think that they have, they have, especially Springer over there, he is Mr. October. Um, and so I think that out of the Central, it's really tough. I mean, there's a lot of what ifs with the White Sox. Do they really have enough pitching? Can they really hold it all together? It's kind of the same thing with Blue Jays. Uh, the Twins, do they have enough pitching? Can Berrios uh, kind of shoulder the load? Um, who, what other starters do they have? Um, uh, there's Berrios. There's um, uh, Maeda. Then Michael Pineda, who had the suspension, is, will be back. And he's their three. Is Randy Dobnik still going to be like four or five for that? J.A. Happ, they signed at free agency, top of my head. Um, I'm trying to think who else is the final piece. And, you know, and I'm sure I could just look it up, but it's always that yeah, part of you where you, you want to yeah. nail down the pieces in your head. Let's see. Uh, Matt Shoemaker is currently listed as the fifth starter, according to roster resources. Yeah. So the Indians still have some talent. I know Jose Ramirez, he had a down season, if I remember correctly, from last year. Two uh, years ago. Last year was ago. the year he uh, finished second or third in the MVP. No, third, because he's been third in the MVP three of the last four years. So, it was, okay. Uh, uh, 2019 was the one year he did not finish top. Three. Now, can Zach, please Zach, stay out of um, a COVID uh, violations and everything. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have Bieber and you have, please Zach, you have some pitching. Um, the guy I'm interested in is um, I drafted him in a couple of leagues. Uh, he's your other starter. I can't think of his name right now. Um, uh, Savali or McKenzie? McKenzie, yeah. Yeah, McKenzie, he's. He's, he's an undersized guy, right? He, he's no, undersized. He's, or he's, he's underweight. He's uh, he's six foot five, like one seventy. So he's big, okay. but he's got no weight. He's a complete unicorn. I always tell this story because uh, it's humorous to me that a few years ago, like I did a baseball reference weight height search with him, and only one player popped up as a starter who had pitched in more than I think a hundred games, and it was Jason Schmidt, the former Pirate starter. So I tweeted that out. Now I did not tag Jason Schmidt. But he found that tweet and responded to it and let me know that was his high school weight and things had changed by the time he got to the big leagues. So he's McKenzie, if he works, is is the definition of the unicorn, like something that we have never seen ever in baseball. There's never been a starter with his height and weight who is lasted. OK, yeah. So um, I think I think it's kind of really toss up. It's a, there's a lot of what ifs in the central. And so I think really it's a three-team race. The Tigers, they're nowhere close to competing. And uh, so 
I think I think the Indians have as much a chance as anybody to win. So. Yeah, it's it's you know as you're just talking about it, it's fun to think how many potential wild cards. Like I went to look just in general at like the American League teams, and you're like, I mean, even like Detroit and Kansas City aren't going to be good, but they're at least trying. It's like is Texas and Baltimore Texas, and Boston no, te- the only only three teams that aren't at least trying this year? At least trying. The Mariners really- are probably out uh, too. So, but they're at and, least trying to put a foot forward, right? They're kind of in that group with like the Tigers and the Royals, where the Mariners are trying to show improvement, right? They're kind of in the first step of trying to get better. Yeah. I feel like I feel like it's like Baltimore is still all in the bag. Boston's, I mean, for their market, they're not doing anything. And then Texas is obviously selling off everything that isn't nailed down. So the, yeah, I mean, it's unlikely a Seattle or a Detroit or anyone like that is going to make the playoffs, but it's, it's going to be so much harder for teams because everyone's at least giving an effort. You go over the national league and you can pull like eight teams that aren't even trying this year, but in the American league, it's just three squads that aren't uh, actively trying to do something to improve this year. Right. And that's going to make it just a, uh, you wonder then, does that benefit the American League East teams more than anyone else? Because there's Baltimore and Boston. Does that make like uh, New York, Tampa, uh, Toronto have? Oh yeah, I, I forgot about the Rays too. Yeah, geez, forgot Did about the Rays. Three, I mean, yeah, yes, but those teams are going to beat each other up. But then having that advantage of two teams that aren't even trying in division, are they still an advantage? It's it feels like well the Astros have the Angels and the well the Angels would be decent but they have the um, Mariners and the Rangers too so yeah everybody has the two teams they're going to be able to beat up on so y'all have the the Royals and the Tigers so yeah it's it's just like I said it's the fun perspective of at least the American League there's some attempt for the most part it's but there's so many teams for so few spots and. Yeah, I I feel like almost anyone can make it. Like you could paint me a picture for at least six different teams in those wild card spots, and I would believe it. I I think that's kind of I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. If it's parody because teams are smart and making good decisions, or if it's because of collusion. But it's it's certainly a situation where things are setting up for this to be one of those seasons. I it's going to go all the way to the end. I think right. Yeah, it's it's going to be a, a nail biter, and especially between the Astros and A's. I predict a ninety three to ninety one uh, wins. It's it's going to be that type of season. It's going to be close. There's not anybody that's going to win hundred games in the American League. It's going to be that close. It's going to be especially the Astros. They're not going to be out there trying to make a big splash at the trade deadline because they have no room. And the salary, the luxury tax. I mean, I know that they signed Jacob Arizzi and they somehow maneuvered underneath the luxury tax threshold, but they're not going to be able to go out and add a lot of um, tax. I mean, a, a salary because they, they don't want to pay the money. They'd also don't want to lose the uh, draft picks it would take to, if they do go over and all that stuff. Let's take another quick commercial break, and then I want to come back and uh, always ask you my favorite questions about the the players for your particular team that uh, don't get enough love. I always like to find out who are those underrated guys, players that uh, teams and other fan bases just don't get that chance to hear about. Since we've been talking about uh, the win outcomes for these teams, I thought it'd be fun as the the ad break to just pull up those lines over on our good friends bet online if uh, you've not checked out bet online 
Remember that if you go over there and use the promo code locked on, you'll get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. So in terms of just the wins, I already know the Indians are at 81 and a half because this is something that I've looked at this year. Their lines when it comes to Houston, just to give a comparison as we're having the fun discussing these two teams, uh, they're at 87 and a half. So that puts them roughly kind of in line with like the Twins and the White Sox when it comes to uh, the division where the Indians are more kind of in line with teams like the Angels. So it's interesting to see the difference in that just in terms of our discussion over at Bet Online. And while they we talk about these lines for baseball, I can see golf, hockey, martial arts, soccer, odds boosters, tennis, props, futures, useful links, just about anything you could want, blackjack, esports. Go check it out for yourself at betonline.ag. Remember that promo code locked on when you make your first deposit to get a 50% bonus. Go check out Bet Online for yourself. And our other fantastic sponsor, Built Bar. Uh, I am a fan and an avid shopper of Built Bar. They sent us these new flavors, so I can actually comment about today's matchup. Coconut versus white chocolate birthday cake. Uh, I will say this. If you get the white chocolate, be careful when opening. The sprinkles that are built in can get everywhere. In this personal matchup, uh, I myself would take the coconut. Eric, have you had a chance to try either of these flavors? Uh, no, not yet. Yeah, yeah. I like the birthday cake one, though. You do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not a white chocolate guy. I think that would come down to for you if you're someone out there who likes white chocolate, and the white chocolate birthday cake might be more for you. I'm going for coconut in this matchup. Uh, in terms of my recent history on here, I can't see. Uh, you know, I'm doing okay. But I, again, I pointed out yesterday, there's four different coconuts alive. So that means coconut is obviously something Bilt Bar does well. I love Bilt Bar. The entire chat gets excited when we get uh, bars to try. Go check it out for yourself. Remember that when you go to Bilt Bar, use that locked on 15 code, get 15% off. That's when uh, they send me a code for being a repeat shopper. That's how good that deal is with locked on 15. Go use it for yourself. Try this fantastic product. BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on 15. And uh, the MLB Division Series preview uh, is the segment to talk about here at the end. Go ch- listen to the uh, the MLB flagship station. We're going to be running our preview series with uh, all the hosts answering a series of questions. It's a chance to kind of find out more about teams you may not follow. Go check that out for yourself. And now that we've gone through and talked about that, who is the guy on the Astros that people are underrating or overlooking or just missing in general? Um, I'm not sure if there's anybody that people are underlooking. I think uh, people are maybe, hmm, good question. Uh, I, I would say maybe Christian Javier. I think, especially on in the fantasy drafts, I think uh, a lot of people are, overlooking him. I know he may not be ready to be a full starter to start season because he was part of that group that was isolated uh, because of the contact with Pedro Baez, who tested positive for COVID-19. So he was shut down for like seven, uh, seven, eight days. So he was kind of uh, put pushed behind a little bit. So he may not be fully stretched out, but he may be kind of part of a piggyback system uh, to start the season and then get stretched out. But then once Farmer Valdez returns and uh, Jake Odorizzi is fully ready. Who knows? He may be a long reliever, uh, piggyback type guy anyway. But this guy, I, I've been predicting that he's going to lead the Astros in wins this year. I, I really liked what I saw last year. He came in as a rookie and just really showed that he just showed the um, bulldog mentality and just came in and uh, just showed his stuff. Um, in terms of hitters, um, 
I think a lot of, I'll have to go with Yuli Gurriel. And that's kind of, I know that he's been a star, but this is somebody who came in last year overweight and he got older and he, he got tired because of the shutdown and he came in overweight. He just got tired uh, halfway through the season and he just wasn't the same guy. So he really kind of worked on it this off season and got in better shape that way he can uh, have better endurance this year. And I think we'll see a, a more energized, not just him, but a more energized team. And I think as a whole, a lot of people are selling Jose Altuve short this year because of his um, kind of a lackluster season last year because of COVID-19. He lost, uh, he had a death in the family and it hit him hard and nobody got hurt, got their legacy tainted more than he did during the whole uh, trash can scandal. Yeah, I agree with you on Christian Javier. I And that's, I'll say like in my little corner community of like, prospect watchers. He's one of those guys that whose name continually comes up. So for as much as I think a lot of people do want to at points discount the Astros due to injuries and just, you know, so many pitchers that they won't have access to. It's amazing how much pitching is still there. Like everyone knows Zach Greinke. Everyone knows Lance McCullers. Uh, I mean, and everyone should know, I'm going to butcher it, Jose uh, Urquidy, but it's like Christian Javier, uh, Brandon Bilak, who's one of those Bilak. guys, Bilak. I've always said that uh, smart teams drafted out of Notre Dame for about five, six years there mm-hmm. because their development was so poor. You knew you were going to get a better player. I mean, that's what happened with Kevin Biggio. It's what happened with Bilak, Bilaki as well. And like I said, it's interesting because they often, I feel like it gets portrayed that this is a weakness for the Astros. But that's still a solid rotation with those five names. And that's not even talking about, you know, when Framber comes back, uh, when guys like Austin Pruitt becomes available. Uh, they feel it. I know Pruitt might be more of a reliever, but he was a starter with Tampa. So in my mind, I still kind of view him as a potential, uh, you know, uh, I really don't starter. know how much they're really looking at him in the plans this year. I know he's there, but they're, I don't know how much they're looking at him. So we'll see. Yeah, but. pitching where these may not it's the same thing with the indians like please back and you know the entire indians rotation only tristan mckenzie was ever a top 100 prospect uh bieber never was please never was uh neither was Corey kluber uh in that whole group and you look at this grouping here i feel like most of these arms that are known or have played that these weren't the guys who got that hype that that it's there's a similar developmental approach with the Astros. They may not get the hype the Indians have, but it still seems to be there. Right. Oh, by the way, we were just honored with the 29th top farm system in baseball. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. <I>, uh, <laughs> That's I what really happens like, when you trade all the talent away. <laughs> I really like Abraham Toro. I'm not going to give up on him yet. I'm just, I'm gonna, I still think he could be a starter. That's, uh, that's another Where is he gonna play though? I, I That's a thing. It's a trade piece. Like I would, yeah. You know, for the right team, I still think that he could be a potential starter. I'm not going to – Corey Lee was an inch. So can I uh, – I'm going to – last year I had a, a conspiracy theory with the Astros, um, with them being smart. And I'll just throw this idea at you, and you can see what you think. So get ready for my tinfoil conspiracy. Uh, the Astros had some really interesting approaches to the draft where they – like many teams would draft very young players, but they would often 
can it looked like they would overdraft a player. But in my opinion, what they would do with this is that they were smart enough to know that if they did a minor overdraft, no matter what happened, that player was always a first round pick. They could save that money on later picks and it helped to inflate value. So then mm-hmm. eventually they would trade those first round picks. A lot of those guys who were high first round picks got traded, did not stick around. Now, some of them did, uh, you know, when it was a top 10 pick. Are you talking like about Tucker, Seth Bear? Uh, yeah, him, but even like Corey Lee, who's still in system or, I mean, Corbin Martin and, uh, I mean, Daz Cameron, even to a degree, I know they gave him a lot of money, but I always felt like there were some flaws there, but it's an interesting, and Cameron was over, not under, but they definitely seem to play that draft system very well in my mind where they would use the high picks. They never drafted a guy. It to keep beer. Him. Yeah. And even with beer, like beer yeah. is the great example. They put him in a situation where he was going to rake allowed him to inflate his value, saved money, and then flipped him for more down the road. And it's, I think that they played the system, as I guess what I'm trying to get at, that of all the things they do, that maybe the more important pick was never the first rounder for them. I mean, the money with the first round pick was important, but it was more that those secondary picks that they would then spread that uh, money out over. Yeah, it's kind of like what they did with Carlos Correa back in the day. They they signed him for under soft value, and they gave the money to give. Now I know that was um, Jeff Luno way back when, but they used that money to sign Lance McCullers Jr. because he he uh, he they signed him for more than slot value. So yeah, uh, that's something that they've done in the past, and uh, they they try to go for the um, the cheaper player that way they can have more money later on. So yes, you're you're, you're right there. Yeah, I just, like I said, I I think it's interesting. And it's, I know they've had many changes there because of everything that happened, but it's, it's still a similar root system of what's in place. And I'm, I'm curious to see how they rebuild the rest of this system. Because as you said, they're in a situation where they're, you know, it's, they've traded from it, and they've also lost some pieces. And it's going to be interesting but it feels like every year they're finding someone new every year they can still find a trade asset and i mean i I, this is an old listing if i went and i looked at a 2020 list i could see actually who are their top prospects or 2021 list now but it's i i don't know i just never feel like that organization is out when it comes on prospects like no matter how much people want to leave them for dead they're not dead they got five guys you don't even know about yet yeah the astros they have talent they're just not the big names the sexy names they're they're the ones that are going to help you they're just not going to be the superstars didn't they who was the didn't they have one superstar like one international player like a massive signing or am i completely wrong Pedro Leon. okay that's that's who that was yes. wasn't he like and a his, two yeah two million bonus a four million four so million. he'll be up uh probably next year and he'll they said his ceiling is probably uh george bringer so, uh, so he could be that type of player, but uh, he did not play at all in 2020. Uh, last time he played uh, in uh, Cuba was 2019. So he has to really uh, do some developing before he comes up. So I don't expect to see him in 2021, but maybe if he really gets hot like Yuli did and when he came up, we'll see. But uh, 2022, I think center field is his unless Miles Straw just takes over. So one last question, because I know we're supposed to keep these under 30 and I've already held you long enough. So who's the top prospect at this point then? Is it Pedro or is it Forrest? Who would you say is still the top guy? Oh, my elbow. (laughs) Um, I hate to see anyone get hurt. He's such an interesting pitcher to begin with that I may not be an Astros fan, but as a baseball fan, that one just made me sad. 
Yeah, um, it's it's probably still Force Willie, but he's not going to be able to really contribute with to the Astros till 2023 at this point. So uh, I think the, the it's probably either Jeremy Pena or Pedro Leon. I think more eyes are on Pena right now because what he did in Dominican League. But I think once we see what I think they're going to start Leon in maybe Double uh, A, and we'll see what happens this year. But I think that this guy, once we see what he can do in professional leagues, I think this guy is going to create a storm. Everybody's be like, bring up Leon, bring him up, bring him up, bring him up. So I think he's probably going to finish the year on top. And I think that they're going to probably be dropping uh, Force Whitley down out of the top 100 list pretty soon. I, you know, you talk about with, with Pena, and I just remember his – his time at Maine, I remember writing him up. That's <laughs> the only time I've ever followed the University of Maine for baseball. That's that's what comes to mind when you mention that name. I was like, wow. Uh, but he has certainly skyrocketed and uh, is, you know, Indians fans. Yes. He, he, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't that Tony Pena's son, right? I believe so. Yes. It's uh, not listed on what I have, but I believe in my memory that's there. And then uh, like I said, it's always fun to have those ties. Joe Smith, another former Indian, is another uh, Astro there. And more than anything, I want to thank you, Eric, for coming in, pinch hitting, as it were, and uh, filling in a spot. I hope you had a fun time having just a random baseball discussion. Where can people find you who are listening to the podcast? Uh, you can find me at Eric Talks Astros, and you can find a show at Lockdown Astros. And like you do, we just talk about the Houston Astros every day and enjoy doing it. And I'm about to go join Brett and do the Lockdown Astros podcast and probably go to bed. <laughs> Again, uh, my sincere thanks. And uh, go check check out Eric. And as I say, to end the podcast, at least